Welcome to Grain Talk, a podcast by Grain Farmers of Ontario. I'm Rachel Telford. And I'm Paige Miller. The Grain Talk podcast can be found on Apple iTunes, Spotify, and under the Grain Talk tab at gfo.ca. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite platform. In this episode of Grain Talk, I talked to Jim Hitchcock with Zare Insurance for some tips on what kind of coverage you should consider for your farm. I will have a conversation with Crosby Devitt, CEO of Grain Farmers of Ontario. First, a Grain Talk news update. Grain Farmers of Ontario will host a virtual annual general meeting on September 14th. The meeting will be held using the Zoom video meeting platform and will follow a similar agenda as past in-person AGMs. Zoom will allow you to join the meeting online using a computer, tablet, or smartphone, or dial in if you don't have access to reliable internet. We are looking forward to connecting with farmer members and sharing news and updates from the organization. We hope that many of you will take the opportunity to join us virtually and provide feedback. Please note that the deadline to submit resolutions is September 7th. Please contact your local delegates and director for further information on the resolutions process. You can find a delegate directory on our website at gfo.ca. Click on About at the top of the page and then select District, Directors and Delegates from the menu on the left. Grain Farmers of Ontario has launched Grain for Good, which shows the hard work done by farmers to sustain the environment, benefit Canadians economically and produce safe, healthy food. Grain for Good asked the candidates in the upcoming federal election to acknowledge the work done by grain farmers to help Canada achieve its climate change goals and to be more proactive in supporting grain farmers so that they are able to continue this hard work without fear of economic losses that would make farming unsustainable. Ontario grain farmers are a part of the environmental solution. For more information on sustainability efforts by Grain Farmers of Ontario, please visit grainforgood.ca. The Ontario Cereal Crop Committee winter wheat performance trial data has been released. You can find detailed information on yield and varietal characteristics at gocereals.ca. Grain Farmers of Ontario is a member of the Cereal Crop Committee and a funding partner in the performance trials. And now, here's my conversation with Jim Hitchcock. Joining me today on the Grain Talk podcast is Jim Hitchcock, the Agribusiness Underwriting Manager with Zare Insurance. Welcome to the podcast, Jim. Thanks for having me, Paige. Pleasure to be here. So, Jim, do you mind telling me a little bit about yourself and the work that you do at Zare Insurance? Yeah, absolutely. So, a little bit about me is um, I've actually been insurance for uh, 14 years, believe it or not, and um, Sort of over the years, it's sort of morphed into getting into some some of the agricultural related uh, insurance and sort of the nuances and unique aspects that go along with it. Um, with respect to what I get to do here at Zare Insurance, um, on top of um, you know service and uh, sales with certain clients, um, internally I support uh, all the other brokers that work within farm insurance um, to provide sort of feedback and information between our companies or if we're having issues or if we're seeing market trends in terms of what's happening in the agri-sector that uh, I'm the one typically disseminating that information so that we're staying current and relevant with what's happening in the farm community. So there's a lot, a lot to keep up with, I'm guessing. 
Plenty, absolutely. Um, yeah, and certainly COVID's added to those challenges for everyone alike, and, and, and certainly for farmers, we certainly feel for it. So lots and lots to keep up on for sure. <laughs> so why is farm insurance so valuable for farmers? So um, just like um, any insurance, really, these farms have, whether it's hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars in assets that are wrapped up, you know, and that's between you know, livestock, machinery, farm or outbuildings, barns, you name it. And even that goes with their personal property. And that's just sort of the peripheral things. Um, you know, certainly we've seen an influx of inclement weather that's sort of hit us, um, flooding. We're sort of still in the tornado side of things. Um, and even recently we've seen a lot of um, scattered thunderstorms, so even lightning strikes. So these are all things that pose a potential hazard to, um, you know, clients in terms of um, things that are out of their control. And and that really doesn't even get into some of the other greater things like, um, you know, vandalism or theft and, and all the other sort of nuances that go with it. So, yeah, the, the value to these people is, I mean, they're paying, you know, sometimes not even a percentage to make sure that um, these large assets are protected and looked after. So what are three main things that you think that farmers should be covering when it comes to insurance? So when I think of three main things, um, that really comes down to um, basic coverages. I mean, the first one that comes to mind is liability. Um, You know, it doesn't matter what aspect of life you live in i mean we're becoming a little bit more litigious and you know if somebody's on your property and they're they're injured you certainly want that portion of the coverage included and then i would also think of you know any of your property so you know things that aren't um glued or screwed to the ground you know you'd want you know machinery um any of your toys uh livestock um those would be another thing that you'd want to make sure that you have insured and then then buildings you know whether it's your home or barns or um, solar panels or uh, you know green bins i mean these are all things that um at a basic i would i would say you'd want covered um now obviously you can you can get into more detail as to what specific coverages you want and how much of it you want but even even I'm just looking at a broad view is where, where you'd want to be with those coverages. What sort of coverage options are out there? I know you mentioned liability, but what else is out there for farmers to kind of look into? So there's really lots to consider. Um, and especially uh, you think of, you don't always think of farms as, as like um, a major business, but they really are a major business. So on top of the liability, you know, if you're, um, if you've got a hatchery or if you've got eggs, I mean, you've got equipment that you may need insured. You may have want coverage for the equipment breakdown part of it. Um, there's things such as loss of income. If you if you lose a barn, you know, who's responsible for that loss of income and maybe any expedited charges to get that reconstruction done so you can get back to operation as quickly as possible. Um, you know, certainly theft uh, has become a big one and making sure that that's included, um, you know, depending on age of, 
uh, barns, you could see snow load as being a big one. Um, certainly in this part of the world, um, you know, and the other one that uh, I mentioned earlier that has become big is, you know, whether it's sewer, sewer backup, whether it's, um, I guess most people would call it flood or overland water coverage. Um, you know, that's become a larger and larger issue. Um, you know, there's building coverage, um, contents coverage, tool coverage, and the list really goes on and on. Um, it's um, sky, sky is the limit, really, in terms of, of what you want to ensure. So is there that need for an additional coverage for farm equipment? I know you kind of mentioned that, but like if my combine, if I needed to insure my combine, would that be packaged under my farm business insurance or is that an additional extra? So that's an awesome question. Um, it could be or it couldn't be. It's So, and the reason I say that is it warrants having a conversation with whomever your provider is. Um, some packages will lump everything together and give you just one big limit for all of your equipment, livestock and barns. And some, you know, they'll look to have you say, okay, well, we want to know every single piece of equipment you have so that um, if you're on the farm down the road, it's, it's covered while you're driving down the road and you've got the proper limits in place. Um, so to answer your question, yes, you would, you would want to chat about the additional coverages for farm equipment and, and certainly with the large increase in these newer pieces of equipment, um, there's a lot of money tied up into those big combines. So we've seen a lot of equipment fires in the fields and actually quite a few barn fires uh, lately. So what sort of insurance should you have to help with a situation like that? So that's good segue. I mean, um, you sort of just touched on it with the farm equipment coverage. And that's, that's first of all, making sure that you have the equipment covered. Um, most, most carriers from a base perspective will give you fire coverage. Um, and I certainly speak to the carriers that we work closely with. Um, but yes, just making sure that you've talked to your broker about making sure that they know you have the piece of equipment and that you are using it. Um, that's going to be the big bit to make sure if, if something happens to it and a fire occurs then it would be covered. So what does the claims process look like after that? So this is where we like to make sure that we've got a good relationship with the companies that we work with. Um, you know, the claims process can go a couple of different ways. I mean, um, you know, if it's an after hours, Saturday or Sunday sort of thing, I mean, we will have a claims hotline that they can people can reach out to so that they can get in touch with somebody right away in the event that you may not have your broker cell phone number. Um, but typically what we would want to see in, in COVID sort of added some challenges because of um, physical visits and having adjusters physically go look at things. Um, but typically the, the process should go smoothly enough to where you call, you submit the claim, you send the company proof of the loss and what's occurred, um, any sort of receipts that you may have so that we can um, either cut a check or get you in touch with somebody to get you another piece of equipment as quickly as possible. And then hopefully back up and running with um, no large 
gap in time or um, issues. So loss of income, if you if there is a gap, would be something to consider at that point, right? That's a big one for us. Um, not only for the for the equipment piece of it, but uh, really, uh, if you were to lose a barn, that's going to be the biggest one. Um, you, you see a lot in the marketplace that uh, timber went up for a great deal uh, for a while, and we're starting to come back down a little bit. But um, contractors to get in and, and do rebuilding or sometimes sourcing a piece of equipment if it's coming from the U.S. or if it's a specialized piece, that could that could be potentially um, harming to that income that you're expecting, and especially especially coming up on harvest season. Moving away from the equipment kind of side of things, are there any specific policies that you should have in place to cover your farm workers? So that's a good question. I mean, um, certainly uh, if you're looking for additional benefits, just like any other business, um, I would certainly refer you on to anybody that's um, licensed to sell benefits and things like that. But for, from a farm policy perspective, um, there are some limits that you couldn't put can put in place for um, your farm working employees. Every company is a little bit different in into how you can endorse that. And and certainly in some parts of the area, we see some migrant workers come in, and um, we try to include coverage when that comes into play as well. Um, but if you're looking for a more broad form of what farm workers may need, um, I would certainly say there's there's a lot of qualified um, life and benefits licensed um, brokers out there that could point you in to a far better direction and more comprehensive coverage, um, certainly than the basic coverage that we would give under our liability, like our, our farm policies. That makes sense. So do you need more than one policy or can you keep everything together like your home your business uh, your livestock all of that so great question um maybe maybe not um <laughs> this is where it comes down to um some farms can be somewhat complicated some can be quite simple um you know if you've only got a few moving parts that are happening then typically you can keep things all together on one policy um, if you've got a larger operation and there's um, different entities involved or uh, if you're trying to separate sort of where home and business ends, it, it just depends on what each uh, party is looking for. Um, so we try to establish that and maybe what's convenient for them or what's sensible. Um, it, it is certainly feasible to keep everything on one policy, uh, but sometimes if we're looking at, you know, the individual and what what their needs and wants are, um, we may have to curtail two, three, or four different policies if if that's what's suitable in that circumstance. So I guess this kind of leads into this question. So what if you own farmland separate from your primary residence? Uh, and there's a vacant building on that farmland. Do you need a separate insurance for that uh, vacant building in that land? So no, that's an awesome question. Um, because when you get into vacant land, um, most insurance companies will just extend liability coverage to that piece of vacant land. 
as soon as you put any sort of structure on there, um, companies become a little apprehensive about how they like to handle that. Um, now, if you have a farm policy already in place, uh, they, they will typically still extend to that vacant building and that vacant land, but it's certainly something you want to disclose. Um, seldom do we see you need a, needing a separate insurance. Um, you know, unless you're somebody that's living in the city and, you know, you've got this big farm property in a vacant building, you know, out in the country, then then potentially you could be looking at a separate insurance for that, for sure. I never would have thought that. I thought it might have been all covered under one, but good to know. With insurance, we find that um, we find ourselves in more gray areas and it's, and it's always hard to give these sort of yes or no answers. Um, there's just so many variables and, and nuances out in the world, for sure. So what do you think farmers should be considering when choosing the right provider and the right broker? That'll come back to sort of building that relationship between somebody that you're comfortable to sort of sit across the table from and ask the right questions. Um, the big thing I've always posed to a lot of the people that I I talk to and the farmers that I'll chat with is, one, never assume that they know something about insurance. To the the only bad question is the one you don't ask, and, and that really comes down to sort of seeing what their what their needs are, what their operations like, um, and even really what their what their plan will be as a go forward. Um, certain insurers they have um, capacities as to capacity as to how much insurance they can provide, so that's something that you may need to factor in. I mean. If, if pricing is an overall big thing for um, clients, then, you know, that's that's something we can focus on. If, if the peace of mind and making sure the broadest coverage is in place, you know, the, those are things that we try to establish and we best match with with our insurance partners. So our job really is that sort of bridging the relationship and making sure that what they're values are and what they're looking for in a product sort of aligns with um, the company that we're placing them with. That makes sense. So there's a lot of conversations that need to happen in order to to make sure that that client is with the right person and the right provider. I would argue that um, certainly you see a lot of, um, you can get a quote online for your, for your auto or simple home insurance. Um, you know, and a lot of things do sort of fit into that nice neat box um but we certainly see with a lot of farmers you know they're not they're not just doing one thing they they have many different aspects as to what they do on their property and that's why those conversations become so valuable um so that we make sure that um we've not missed anything and and they're not left um not left in the wind when something may or may not happen Well, thank you so much, Jim, for spending some time with me and and chatting about farm insurance and the needs of uh, farmers when they're looking at insurance. Absolutely. It was a pleasure to be here and um, I really appreciate you allowing me to share. Joining us for an update on what's been happening with Grain Farmers of Ontario, we have the CEO of our organization, Crosby Devitt, joining us on the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us, Crosby. Hi, Rachel. It's great to be here today. Now, 
something that's on, I think, a lot of farmers' minds these days is that uh, upcoming election that's happening uh, in just a couple of weeks now. Um, I know that Grain Farmers of Ontario does have some asks out to government. And as well, we're sort of running a bit of an awareness campaign about what do we need from our federal government that does get elected. So can you review that for us in terms of what we're looking for? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as everyone knows, we're in the middle of a, of a major election campaign and there's some interesting developments as it as it progresses. And I think at this point uh, in the race, it's it's anybody's guess what the outcome will be. So it's shaping up to be a really fascinating uh, campaigns on all fronts um, from the grain farmers of Ontario side. Uh, although we're a provincial organization, there are many areas uh, in the purview of the federal government that affect us. And, uh, you know, things like regulations federally, uh, policies more broadly across the country, et cetera, that, uh, and, you know, business risk management programs and things like that that are really federally driven. So we spend a lot of time communicating with the federal government, but uh, during an election campaign, it's a excellent opportunity for us to be able to talk to all candidates from all parties about what the priorities of grain farmers are. So when we look at those priorities, there's uh, there's three main areas. So one of them that's critically important is creating business risk management programs that work for grain farmers and, and emphasis on work for grain farmers. Um, we know farming is volatile, there's ups and downs. And when those downs happen, uh, having that backstop of support is critical. Um, we know most of our competing nations, U.S., European farmers have good programs. We're lacking that here in Canada, so uh, key priority. Second one is around the environment. And what we're, what we're asking for is a low-carbon toolbox that helps farmers meet you know, Canadians' commitments to net zero objectives. And we call it a toolbox for a reason in that it isn't just one thing that's going to get us there or help farmers uh, do an even better job for the environment. We've got a huge positive track record of, of environmental performance, but we've heard and we know every political party uh, federally has climate and the environment in their platform. And we want to see them recognize the great things that farmers are doing and help us build on that as we go. And then third, uh, we wouldn't have much of an industry if we didn't have good markets. And so that's both domestic and international. Uh, what we'd like to see is uh, policies in an economic environment that allows for increased domestic processing but also a level playing field and open trade around the world. So countries and consumers anywhere in the world that want to buy Canadian and Ontario grain have the ability to do so. If people want to learn a little bit more about uh, sort of what we're asking the federal government for, we've also got a, a new website that they can go to. Absolutely. Yeah. Grainforgood.ca. And uh, that is a nice website that lays it out very clearly and, uh, um, there's a nice video on there too that I encourage everyone to take a look at and it's easy to share. Um, it's a pretty cool site. And the other thing I would say is, you know, we talk about who's going to be prime minister, but we know every riding counts and uh, all candidates count. If you're, if they're running for election, whether they win or lose, they have influence in their communities. They have influence within their party 
And we'd like to see them recognize agriculture and grain production as a positive thing for all Canadians, uh, not just for the farmers that are growing the grain. This week has been a busy week for you. There was uh, a meeting of our board of directors that you've been involved with, um, and we're gearing up for our annual general meeting. So can you tell us a little bit about what's being uh, talked about around the board table and, and what's being prepared for that AGM? Yeah, that's great. It has been a busy week. We just had a board meeting of our uh, of our GFO uh, board of directors, and so yeah, a lot of a lot of catching up, I guess you could say, uh, on a few topics. But if we specifically were looking ahead to our annual general meeting coming up here in a couple of weeks, and uh, preparing for that. So certainly, the financial statements and our annual report are being finalized and uh, will be sent out uh, and published on our website. Uh, for all members to see, uh, but we're gearing up for updates from uh, Brendan Burney, our chair, myself, uh, Crosby Devitt as your CEO, and our our Vice President uh, Paul Hookstrom will all be presenting. And uh, in addition to that, we will have a guest speaker talking about international markets and growth opportunities uh, for specifically oil seeds and kind of a global perspective. There's some really exciting things happening on the biofuel side that we don't often hear too much about here uh, in Canada uh, or in Ontario, but uh, some really interesting opportunities coming about. So we did, uh, we do encourage all members. It's open uh open for anyone to join our annual meeting and, and hear all the great things that are happening. You mentioned um, markets for our crops, and I know that this summer we're still also seeing a little bit of the effect of the wheat harvest and, you know, the low falling numbers. Was that a topic of discussion at the board? Yeah, certainly. There's been a lot of uh, a lot of work and discussion done on, you know, wheat quality this year. There were some challenges in some areas of the province uh, with kind of a drawn out harvest and some wet weather kind of affecting quality. And uh, actually this earlier this week, we had a, a round table with uh, elevators, government, farmers to talk about uh, researchers as well to talk about, you know, what's happening uh, in wheat quality. How do we best understand it and how do we get the right wheat to the right market um, to create the most value for everybody in the chain? And so, not always easy to do when you've got variable quality, but uh, there's certainly enough good wheat to go around. And there's a really strong feed market right now, which is really valuable, uh, especially in, in the wheat market where, you know, it's different quality uh, spec that maybe milling for human consumption might want. So it's, it's really important to have those market options out there. And obviously, as we get moving into September, we're going to be starting to look at soybean harvest and then eventually corn harvest as well. I was actually just at uh, an elevator in, in Brigden earlier this week. And, you know, they're looking to move out their wheat so that they have room for the soys that they say are going to be coming in, you know, any any week now. Um, what have you been seeing in terms of that, that crop maturing out in the field? Yeah, it's coming fast. Um, there's been a lot of uh, maturity in the last couple of weeks with some hot weather throughout Ontario and uh you know, really within the next couple of weeks, we're likely to see some early soybeans coming off. And, uh, you know, I'd say overall, uh, talking to farmers and our board members across the province, um, there's a pretty good crop in the field right now. And so let's hope we can get it, uh, get it finished and out of the field in, in good shape with good weather, both soybeans and corn as we go here. So uh, looking for a nice open, open fall harvest season would be ideal. 
And hopefully people aren't too busy with that harvest come, uh, you know, September when we are having our EGM there on, on the 14th, if people do start seeing some early field work. We uh, want to make sure they save some time on their calendars for September 14th. Yep, we hope to see everyone on the 14th of September at our AGM. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to join me today, Crosby. Thanks, Rachel. Thank you for listening to our Grain Talk podcast. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. For more ways to connect with us, including the latest webinar, market report, and our e-newsletter, go to gfo.ca slash grain talk. A special thank you to our guests this week, Jim Hitchcock and Crosby Devitt. If you've liked what you've heard today, please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple iTunes and Spotify. And remember, five-star reviews help us grow our audience.